This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. There is a forbidden conversation in my house. No, it isn't the deep dark secrets of our family or the peculiar happenings at our neighbor's house. It is a conversation about my dog. His name is Bama and he is one smart dog. He is a red fox lab and can learn up to a thousand words, which my wife says is 300 more than I know. Bama is special. He plays golf with me, and we play an intense game of hide-and-seek inside our 180-year-old home. I swear, there's a person inside of him trapped in a dog suit. He is eight years old now, and I can hardly imagine life without him. Hence, the forbidden conversation. Our kids have talked to my wife, Christy, privately about possible interventions and how they will help me in those inevitable days of loss. For now, we don't talk about those impending days. We live in the moment and enjoy every wag of his big thumping tail, every retrieved golf ball, the days spent at the lake diving off the dock, and the snuggles at night when he whines to put his 125-pound self between me and Christy. Bama is special, just like your pet. Dog, cat, parrot, or rabbit, they all bring joy faster to us than seemingly anything else can do. This is true for any household, anywhere. Economics play no role in the joy, comfort, and stability a pet brings to a home. Today, Matthew Pepper, the CEO of the Michigan Humane Society, is our guest. And today we will explore a unique idea that connects the work of the food bank and the Michigan Humane Society. You won't hear a conversation like this anywhere else. Food security and the role pets play in our mission next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome everyone, thanks for being with us. As promised, Jerry, Matthew Pepper, the CEO and President for the Michigan Humane Society, our friend, colleague, and the last time, Matt, I saw you was uh, on the porch at Grand Hotel during the Michigan uh, Policy Conference. So great to see you on Zoom, and thanks for being our guest here on Food First Michigan. Yeah, Phil, Jerry, thanks for having me. That's where all great things happen, out on the porch at the Mackinac Policy Conference, huh? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think the size of this state shrinks to the size of that porch about three yeah. days a year. You and you can have some pretty interesting conversation, which is what we did but I kind of came to the last part of that conversation. So, Jerry, why don't you kind of bring us up to speed on why Matthew is our guest today? Well, the Michigan Humane Society and Gleaners have, have been in conversations for a long time about, you know, ways that we intersect and, and, and how we serve people and, and how do we serve people best. 
And uh, at the policy conference, um, you know, they, they said, we want to have a deeper conversation about that. We've got some things going on, and I'm not going to tell the whole story because I'm going to let Matthew do that. But we've got some things going on where we think there's some good synergy. And what we ended up talking about was the household impact model. And, and the importance of if we're going to be in partnership together, we've got to start with values that align. And so we talked about economic benefit and we talked about stability and health and empowerment for households. And I mean, it was a, an invigorating conversation. There was real clarity right away at how both of us work things. We got really excited about it. We've now launched a, a new initiative that we think will be a growing initiative. And, and I'll just leave it there. But before we get too much into the details of programs and initiatives, Matthew, I think our listeners need to learn about you. We need to learn about you know, how did you get to be the head of the Michigan Humane Society and what drives you to do that work? And, and then we can go talk about our specific projects. Yeah, it all, it all starts with it with a conversation I had with my dad, who was kind enough to help me through college, and, and he was a CEO and an executive in the for-profit world for a long time, and I originally was going to college for advertising and public relations, and I came to him one day and said, Dad, that's not where my heart is. And much to his chagrin, I told him my new heart is in wildlife biology, and I'm going to go work with animals for the rest of my life, but he gave me uh, two pieces of advice, which was judge success for yourself, be, you know, you determine what success is, and no matter what you choose, uh, do it the best you can. And if you do that, then you'll be happy and you'll be successful. And I'm one of the few people who have never done anything else other than work with animals. So my degree is in wildlife biology. I was in the law enforcement side of this for a while. I was an animal control officer and an animal cruelty investigator on the west side of the state before sort of what you alluded to, that, that there could be a bigger impact of the work that I do on the community, led me to sort of travels around the, around the country. I was the director of animal services in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, before moving to Memphis, Tennessee, and then over to Albuquerque, New Mexico, which I love. My drive to work was through the Petroglyphs National Monument, sun rising over the Sandias. I had just had my, my fourth child, was just born, just bought a new house. And then uh, Michigan Humane, the Michigan Humane Society then uh, came calling, and, uh, and said, what do I, um, you know, what would you be interested in talking to us? And so I, I, uh, I, I got on the plane and I got, and as soon as I got off, it was home. It was back home in Michigan. I'm a Grand Valley graduate, family from Michigan. And you recognize this community is special. There's a pride in this community and there's a drive to, con to, to continually look for ways to improve the quality of life for everyone. And we can be a big part of that. And Michigan Humane is one of the largest animal welfare organizations in the country, uh, by far the largest in the state, has an opportunity to do some, some real cool things. So it was a no-brainer for me. And I've been here now seven years. Couldn't imagine doing anything else. Every day is a new day. And, and now that we've started to really start to intersect with organizations like yours, Jerry, it's, it's been amazing. It's been amazing the impact we're seeing of our work on the community. So, Matthew, thanks for sharing the, your story. You know, it's, it's amazing how it's our stories that weave together, right, that, that make things happen in the long run. And, and all this different experience that we bring to the table that enriches all of us. And I, and I just want to say we have said on this show probably 100 times already that partnerships are what's going to drive success, that ultimately, you know, what is there's a wise man on this show that once said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, 
go together, right? I don't remember who that was. Doctor, do you remember who said that? Yeah, the guy is brilliant and also <laughs> extremely good looking. <laughs> but it's, it's so true. And, you know, your, your life story as it weaves into what we're trying to do today and, and, and how you've approached your life with purpose and passion is how we're going to shape the future of, of, you know, how the community is better served. It's, it's, uh, I really liked your, your dad's advice about, you know, make sure you define for yourself what success looks like. And that habit of defining what success looks like is, is what we're doing now, right? Yep. In our partnership and as we're moving forward. So, so thank you for sharing that. That's a, that's a, a great story and, and one that helps us have even more confidence in where yep. we're headed. Well, I have to tell you, Jerry, you, you've, uh, you've talked a lot about collaboration and, and we get to work with a lot of agencies. So as a, you know, we're an animal welfare organization at, at our core, but really, really we aren't. Really, we're a human-centered organization that uses the animals to gain access into the lives of families. And it's relationships like ours with you, with you at Gleaners and, and several other organizations that allow us to amplify our impact. We have the passion. Uh, our, our food pantry is a great example. You know how to get it to the, to the people who need it. We know how to source it, and we know that people who struggle with food insecurity have pets, and they should have pets. Those pets are critical to their lives. Let's take a quick break here, and then let's come back and talk about this, the, the passion that you guys are displaying for this project and not wait, let, uh, make our listeners wait any longer. But, uh, Matthew, really great story, uh, your life story. I love it. Uh, you can see how you have uh, your life and work experience has weaved together to lead you to be the president and the CEO for the Michigan Humane Society and the difference that you and your team are making in the lives of families and communities across Michigan. So he's Jerry Brisson, that's Matthew Pepper, I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're all three back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. And our guest, Matthew Pepper, the CEO and president for the Michigan Humane Society. Matt, thanks for telling us your story. Now let's talk about some of the ideas and passion and work that, uh, that is coming out of this new partnership and relationship and I know that you and Jerry have been talking uh, quite a bit. And as our listeners know, the, the household impact model is huge, a part of our work. So Jerry, how about introducing this segment for us and, uh, and, and, and allow Matt to jump into the deep end of the pool here? Well, I should probably start by saying, for the community's sake, it's good that uh, it's really Doug Plant and Julie Beamer who are talking about this. And, and you know, Matt, Matt and I are, you know, we're, we're, we're good philosophers, right? And, and, uh, but we have great people that work for us that, that really look at how to make these things work. But, but here's the magic of it. And, and, and when we sat on the porch and talked about this, the thing that captured my imagination was... Not only do people who are food insecure have pets, but it's important for them, right? When we talk about um, the economic value that food brings, it all it, the same economic value is provided when you help 
families feed their pets, right? That's something they are going to buy. It's something they're going to spend resources on because of how pets are connected to families and how they're connected to people and what a difference it makes in their life. And so what, what Matthew and I did was kind of walk through the whole rest of the impact model. And so, Matthew, what I want to do is let you talk a little bit about what you know about the impact that pets have on the lives of families. Yeah, and so... First of all, Jerry, I want to really thank you for the work that you and, and Gleaners do in the community because it's really taught me a lot about the the issues caused by food insecurity in our community. And as we've started to really talk, we realize that there is no socioeconomic differences in pet ownership. Whether you're struggling with food insecurity or you, or you, you live in a mansion in Bloomfield Hills, about 70% of people have a pet and they should have a pet. There is very real physical and emotional benefits to pet ownership. I mean, think about everyone who had to go through this last 18 months, and then think about those that were alone already struggling, and try to think about them going through that without their pet. So so here's here's what we've learned, is that you and I are serving the same people. We're serving the same population. And about 70% to maybe even a little bit more of the people you're serving have a pet, and frankly, oftentimes they would take the food that you're giving them to help support the family and feed their pet first. So the reality is you and I can help each other make the, make the, make the life better for these families by supporting the family so that they can go ahead and use those other resources for its intended purpose, which as you talked about in this model, everything we do that has a value to that family and their pets have a value to that family. Everything we do that has value elevates them one step further out of that cycle. And so when you, with you and I working together, we recognize it again, close to three quarters have a pet and would rather their pet eat than they eat. And that's not a choice that they should have to make. So it just makes a ton of sense for you and I to work together uh, in the way in which we have and, and really do something good and, and be impactful. And as you and I have talked about, I think we can build on this with other organizations as they come in to really create a network of nonprofits who see value in collaboration and really elevating the quality of life for everyone, whether you got two legs or, or four or, or in the case of my dog, three legs, either one. Could, either one matter. Well, boy, it sounds like there's probably a story there, but but um, <laughs> I, I I think that's right. And a, and a, and another thing that really impressed me when we talked about it was, so if the household impact model is is the economic benefit and then stability, health, and empowerment, you immediately talked about health. You talked about the mental health of people and how pets make a, a measurable difference in people's stress levels, how they make a measurable difference in the way people even exercise, right, and yep. take care of themselves because they increase their physical activity by having a pet. You know, I, I'm, yep. it's stuff I never really put together, yep. but as we started talking about what our partnership could do to really make a difference for people, um, it just became so obvious to me that there's there's a, a um, so much value to well meeting people where they are. This is where people yep. are, and you know what? It's good for them to be there. Well, and, and think about and I, what I love about our work is that we're meeting people where they are in a in a. In a, I'm framing it in a positive way. There's nothing punitive about us interacting with them. You know, let's be honest. Many of the areas we service are, are, are low income and, and, they, and 
frankly, they've been promised a lot of things for the last half a century and, and are a little bit hesitant to believe. But when I, when I knock on a door and I say, hey, we're here to talk to you about your dog, that door swings open and let me tell you about my dog. And now I have access to that family where I can say, well, I know you were struggling to feed your dog. You know who I should connect you to is, is the folks over at Gleaners who can maybe help you um, uh, with this other issue so that your dog's healthier. I mean, my philosophy is that a, a pet, a dog, a cat, whatever you have, is only as healthy and safe as the family it lives with and the community it lives in. So everything we can do to, to build healthier and safer communities is better for the animals. Yeah, and then we learn from each other, right? So by the same token, if you're finding a distressed pet, it's probably a distressed household, right? So it goes both ways, and it helps us help each other. And that's what partnership needs to do. You know, I, so one of the things we've done, and I'm going to get a little specific here, yep. is you know, we have mobile food distributions where we take truckloads of food out to places in the community where people are, and we, we make sure that people can come. They don't need an appointment. If they're hungry, they can come and we'll make sure they get food. And, and we, we picked one of those as a place to test this idea that if we brought pet food to those families, that it would matter to them. And right away on the first distribution, somewhere around 70% or between 65 yep. and 70% of the people that came and had the opportunity to get pet food took advantage of that and yep. took the pet food. And it, it it totally reinforced your assumption that people who are food secure have pets that need to be fed as well. And now those people don't have to go to two different places. They can be assured that they're going to get the food they need for themselves and their pet. And that's going to relieve a huge amount of stress for that family or those families that need to take advantage of that. And that's going to drive more trust. It's going to drive more impact. I mean, it, it, I, I'm just really excited yeah. about how that's looking. Well, Jerry, I have to tell you that you, what you hit on there is 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 probably the most impactful part of our collaboration, our partnership, which is, you know, we, we know about animals and we know how much animals mean to families. And we distribute about 1.2 million pounds of dog and cat food out of our pet food pantry located in Detroit near Henry Ford uh, Hospital there. But the reality is if we understand the challenges that are associated with poverty, transportation is a big issue. Um, and, and meeting people where they are, as you talked about earlier, is critical. So us partnering with organizations like you and all, and all those gleaners who know how to reach people who struggle with food insecurity that is that is much more impactful than us having a single location where we where we distribute food so it's those partnerships that allow us to reach countless more families and truly change lives i mean nobody should have to make the decision to either eat or give up their pet hey that's that's great stuff guys because i think the secret sauce right that you're talking about is we want to help people where they're at not where we wish they were and so that's exactly what the, the collaboration that you're discussing here uh, that started between the Michigan Humane Society and Gleaners. We're hopeful at the Food Bank Council that because we're a statewide organization that this, this model can catch on and it can go statewide because we know the families, no matter where they're at in this state, rural, urban, in between, have the same issues that you guys are discussing here. Well, let's take a quick break. Let's come back to the next segment with Matt Pepper. He's the president and the CEO at the Michigan Humane Society. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. 
We're back, Jerry Basson, Dr. Phil Knight, and our guest, Matt Pepper, Matthew Pepper, the CEO and president for the Michigan Humane Society. And uh, great, great segment, last segment, guys, talking about a partnership that is starting in Southeast Michigan that we hope will blossom across the state with our other Feeding America food banks uh, and, and how we can help people uh, help their, their pet become food secure basically so that the food that uh, they're, they're getting from other sources like food banks can really go to that intended use. And Matt, I really love the part that you talked about the role that a pet plays in a home and, and particularly for the emotional and the mental health of the, of the pet owner. So, man, that, that, that's, I love that. I, I, it's a powerful, powerful image in my mind, and I, I appreciate the work that you guys are doing because, you know, particularly in the pandemic, a lot of folks were forced to stay at home for different reasons, and uh, I have to imagine that pet adoption went up a bit during the pandemic. I hope so, anyway. Oh, it it uh, it did skyrocket for a for an extended period of time, which is a good it's a good thing. And contrary to kind of some stories that were out there, they're not coming back. People are connected to these pets. These pets are part of their lives. They they got them through a difficult time. They're staying in the homes. And as a matter of fact, we've talked to a few businesses in Detroit who their biggest struggle right now as people think about how do we return to work <laughs> is all of the people who've adopted a pet don't know what to do with their pet in order to come back to work. It's not childcare or schools or anything. It's I adopted a dog and I don't know what to do with it now. And so we're here to help organizations like that too. But but it's amazing how, how many people have welcomed a pet into their lives. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the Humane Society right now. You know, what, what are the things that you're, you're prioritizing? What are some of the things you're feeling really good about that you're going to continue to grow? What are some of the challenges you're going to try to do as we kind of end 2021 and head into 2022? Yeah, so... so- Jerry, first of all, I think this collaboration is going to be our model for for other opportunities moving forward. I think it really is about uh, meeting people where they are in the community and, and thinking about the value of animals to Metro Detroit. And to do that, I kind of got to go back to our, our, our beginnings. And I, I talked earlier about us being a, a human-centered animal welfare organization. And, and the reality is we started that way. We started to help horses at the time that were, that were urban animals, uh, work animals in Detroit, and women and children the subject of domestic violence. That was how we started. We started as a human-centered organization. And what I see us doing now is expanding on that. You know, I think for the last 144 years, maybe we've even at Michigan Humane sort of undervalued our work and thought about adoptions being the primary driver, thought about, um, you know, the number of foster and volunteer homes. All those things are important. But the real value in our work is do we impact the quality of life for people in this city? So for us, it's about um, really listening to people in the community and finding out what's important to you. And well, here's what we have found. Animals are really important to people, whether you're struggling with poverty, food insecurity, again, or you've got the lake house, a couple million dollar lake house, people love their pets. But the reality is, um, what's important to people changes depending on your situation. So what we have found really in our work is that what's important to people is a healthy, being healthy, being safe. And having an, an economy that they can they can support their family and they can support themselves in. So our focus really over the last uh, last six, nine months and into this next next decade actually is going to be this initiative for us is how do we impact those issues? So you talked earlier about the animal's role in, in things like health and safety. The reality is if you own a pet, you're 35% more likely to be active. 
If you own a if you own a dog, you're 31% less likely to die of heart attack or stroke because of that activity. When you're outside, you're much more likely to be engaged in your community and foster that sense of of, of being in a neighborhood by by interacting with other people. Uh, when people are outside, communities are safer because communities are engaged. If you're in your uh, you know if, if you're maybe in your 20s as next generation of of, of workforce. A pet-friendly city and a pet-friendly environment is one of the primary drivers to where you choose to live and work. And frankly, in, in Metro Detroit, we've got to do better on accommodating animal-friendly practices, not only within you know downtown, but in the neighborhoods. And you think about, you know, think about changing the way we view our work. So in the past, we've thought a dog is tied up in the backyard. And selfishly, we would think, well, these people must not care for their dog. And then you look deeper into the situation, you realize that maybe they're renting the home, that the landlord won't let the dog inside. There's not a lot of animal-friendly housing units. Uh, the neighborhoods, maybe maybe they don't feel safe allowing their eight-year-old to walk the dog down the street. That's a very real issue for many people. So so our job is to really elevate the value of animals in our community. So how, how does being an animal-friendly community make every community we're in healthier, safer? How do we impact the Americans will spend $109 billion this year on their pets. And I know some of sometimes some of us feel like we're half of that number, and that sometimes can be the case. But, but the reality is there is a very real economic value to animal-friendly practices. And then the other issue is we want to keep our talent right here. There's a very real issue of representation in veterinary medicine. And we have an opportunity to draw talent from Detroit and, and elevate them into positions of, of leadership in veterinary medicine. So we're working with public school systems, uh, a couple local community colleges. Uh, obviously, we have a good relationship with Michigan State on developing career pathways to impact both uh, representation and opportunities within the industry. So there's no short of vision for us over the uh, over the next next year or two. And as you said earlier. Uh, I'm lucky to have really good people who can turn the vision I have into a reality, and I'm really grateful for partnerships like yours, Jerry, that help show that this works, that working together has an impact and amplifies uh, what we mean to a community. Well, you know what, and I, and I want to double exclamation point what you just said, because we, we can't just do things we like to do. We have to do things we know work, and what you articulated, safety, health, economy, talent, community engagement, trust, um, all of those things are on some level measurable. So you can say, if we do this, we hope to see these improvements, and then you can see if they actually happen. Now, we're in a complex world, right? It's hard when you look at these basic life issues to draw a direct line to any one thing. And that's why partnerships yep. are so important. That's why we've got to work together so that we can build a critical mass of things where you can say, look, if people have enough support, look at the outcomes you actually do get. And I think we're getting there. I mean, and, and you mentioned you know, several things about health and, and population health. And, and, and I just had a conversation with Dr. Jerome Finkel over at Henry Ford Health System about these very issues. He's the head of their population health effort over there, and he's got great ideas too about how to connect all these dots and really continue to look at how our whole community benefits when we, when we share values, 
when we share outcomes, when we drive toward those outcomes, not based on our assumptions or on our preconceived notions, but based on real conversations with people about what they need and how they're living their life and how we can make it better for them and better for us all. I, I really, I really get excited yeah. about this, and uh, and I think we're on to something really hot here. Yeah, Jerry, I agree with that. You talked about you know sharing our outcomes. I look at them as the community's outcomes. You know, the community is who wants to be safer and who wants to be healthier, and our job is. To to work together to maximize our impact on those factors that are important to people in the community. So thank you for pointing that out. Well, it's a great conversation. And uh, again, it's my hope, uh, and I think it's uh, both of you guys' hope too, that this partnership can become a model so that uh, other communities, community-based organizations like food banks and pantries can also uh, you know, mimic this model so that we get the the the, the benefits across the entire state. Um, you know, and so I appreciate you guys doing, uh, being the leaders of this, dreaming about this, and I also appreciate that you hired great people to actually make that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's Matt Pepper. He is the president and the CEO for the Michigan Humane Society, and he has been our guest today. So, Matt, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll look forward to have an update from you in the coming months about how the project is going and and how we can uh, continue to be involved in it on a statewide level. Great. Dr. Phil, Jerry, thanks a lot for having me. Great Great to see you. Jerry and I are back in just a moment to wrap up this show, Food First Michigan. Dr. Phil Knight here. What a great, unique show, Jerry. Concept. I mean, you couldn't have the show if you didn't have the concept and the idea for the program. But, you know, I, I, I talked to a few people about the, the guest today, Matthew Pepper from the Michigan Humane Society. And I said, hey, guess what? We're going to tie pet, f- pets and their role to our mission of food insecurity food security across the state and they were just like looked at me like how are you going to do that (laughs) and now you know yeah now you know you know what i have to say that when when i first sat down and talked with with matt my my feeling was the same like okay well let's talk i mean you know maybe there's something here but once we started down the path of talking about who we serve talking about the purposes of our organizations, talking about how those purposes align in a really unique way, it just got clearer and clearer and clearer. Mm -hmm. And it it really reinforced to me the value of knowing what you're trying to do. I mean, having the household impact model as a place to start conversations with potential partners and really asking the question, does your work influence these factors in people's lives and and by by creating it a a framework for that conversation we really learned a lot about each other a lot about what we value a lot about how important people are and a lot about what each of us knows in different ways about economic benefit stability health and empowerment it was a phenomenally eye-opening conversation and I'm just excited to share it with our listeners because I really think this is how partnerships and collective impact need need to happen. This is this is what it looks like where the rubber meets the road. Right. 
Right. Well, you know, Jerry, a long time ago, I, I, I heard this formula, um, and, and it's four quick things, and I think this, this partnership really describes it. So first off, define what need are you trying to meet? Okay? I think we did that today in the show. So then can you meet that need in a unique way? Can you meet that need in an inspiring way? And you, can you meet that need in a, in an, with excellence? Yeah. And I think that those, those components are in this partnership. And I, and again, it's my hope that, that I know that, that, you know, obviously your, your life and focus is in Southeast Michigan, but you know, uh, as, uh, as the food bank council president of our board of directors and, and how invested you and all of our food bank CEOs are in the, uh, work statewide, man, this could have some pretty cool ripple effects all across the state. Because we're, we're meeting a need. The, the pets are meeting a need. That's what I really believe. They're meeting an emotional, mental, and emotional uh, health need for people. And, uh, they're do, and, and this partnership presents the opportunity to do things in a unique way, an inspiring way, and to do it with excellence. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I am excited to see how this develops. I'm also excited to to start to engage the broader community around you know how their support is going to help drive success here right you know a lot of times when people think about basic needs they think about solving a problem today but not really dealing with the root causes and we have learned over and over again that by feeding people today and and now by feeding their pets today we are addressing root causes that, that keep people in, in stress and keep people in poverty and keep people from advancing and that we know if we, can, if we can give people access to the things they really need and that they value and that they are going to solve one way or the other, that we're freeing them to solve more and more and more problems that they might be having in their life. So I, 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 I think this not only has an impact on how we work with the Michigan Humane Society as food banks across the state, but also how we can communicate to people this matters. This, these, are, these are big things that when we learn how to do them together, it changes the fabric of the community for the better. Jerry, years ago, we used to ask ourselves a question. When we started the show, when we started thinking about a blueprint to how do we create food security statewide, you remember what that question was? Who wins when we win? Righto. Right so who wins now? Who wins now in this collaborative partnership where we're addressing that people we know who are food insecure and struggling with food, we know what parents do. They eat less to give their kids more. Yep. And, and the same thing happens with, with, with pets, people will eat less so they make sure that their pet has food. Yeah. And now that doesn't have to happen. Right. That choice is off the table. Right. So who wins when we win? The community wins. Every single time. Right. That's who wins the most. That's, that's who we continue to care about the most. That's how we focus our attention and our efforts. And, I, and it's just exciting to be able to share this with everyone who listens to us every week and, uh, and is with us on this journey, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's an exciting time to be part of this work is the bottom line. 
Well, we said for years too, Jerry, that that not only who wins when we win, but we started picking people. We started identifying organizations and sectors of the economy that wins. And, you know, these pets, I can tell you, and you know this because you know Bama. You know my dog. You know the joy that he brings me. Without a doubt. Yeah, our whole family. I mean, you know, hey, Kirk Mays saw Bama, uh, saw a video of Bama uh, uh, retrieving a golf ball, and he looked at me and said, are you kidding me? You taught this dog to do this? I said, well, actually, I didn't teach him anything. He taught me. And and Kirk said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're fired. (laughs) You're you're no longer the director for the food bank council. I'm going to buy the dogs. You're going to train them, and we're going to be billionaires. Who doesn't want who? What golfer doesn't want a dog that will go and fetch your ball and bring it back and drop it at your feet? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's the mental and emotional help that 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 four-legged animal brings to my life is is you cannot quantify it. Time for a little food for thought. Innovation, partnership, and a shared mission are values we look for in helping families achieve self-sufficiency. Pets are not a luxury. They are a critical component to helping families find normalcy, stability, and comfort. From senior citizens experiencing loss of relationship, social interaction, and loneliness, pets provide comfort. To kids in food insecure homes, pets are a refuge a friend who always thinks less of themselves, and they provide great memories for children, no matter the affluence found in the home. We are making this partnership work for families, kids, and seniors, so they never face with the choice of feeding themselves or feeding their pets. So Godspeed to Matt Pepper and his team at the Michigan Humane Society for helping us keep food first, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.